the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome to another episode of my In Conversation podcast series. My guest today is a new author, Maria Mitchell. Good afternoon, Maria. Welcome to my In Conversation podcast series. How are you? Hi, Nigel. Um, I'm doing really well. It's been a quiet day so far. Um, The sun is shining outside a little bit, so yeah, I'm doing really well. So what have you been doing to occupy your time during the lockdown? Do you know what? I've actually been really busy. Um, I know a lot of people are resting at the moment, but I've been so busy um, just tidying up doing my book. So my book is due to be released in a week. Um, So I've just been, you know, working on the cover, just finalising and typesetting and just getting it ready for the public to be able to buy within a week's time. I've also been increasing my exercise. So normally I'm quite good with exercise, but I've kind of gone full throttle and I've just increased my exercise. And yeah, that's mainly what I've been focused on the last month or so. Well, it sounds as if you've been very uh, productive, as it were, which is good. So where did you grow up? And so I grew up in Greenwich, South East London. Um, I was born in Greenwich Hospital um, and I um, stayed around Greenwich, lived in Greenwich, moved to Stevenage um, and then came back to South East London where I spent my teenage years in Plumstead. So I stayed in South East London for most of my, my young age. So what was Plumstead like? <laughs> I mean, it, it's better now, but um, it was interesting. I'm very close to Woolwich. Um, it wasn't my most favourite place. Um, but what I loved about it was just uh, the mix of cultures um, and my access to, you know, traditional food. So I always had fruit around, always had you know, African food around. Not my ideal place to live, but yeah, it, it served its purpose. So when you were at school, what were your favourite subjects? My favourite subjects? Um, I loved science. Um, so I did triple science in school. And my initial plan was to actually go and study medicine. And I wanted to be a... Um, psychologist or neurologist so that was my plan um, I also was really good at sports and physical activity so I loved PE lessons and I also loved food tech I loved food I'm a big eater so I look forward to my weekly food tech lessons where I'll cook and then we've got the chance to eat our food afterwards so what about English wasn't that one of your favorite subjects at school <laughs> no I didn't mention it did I <laughs> no I mean I was good and I was like the model student in terms of I was well behaved in all of my lessons I did all the homework but I wouldn't say English was my favorite lesson I mean all I remember from English was that I had a really nice English teacher and reading a book Mice and Men of Mice and Men I think that's what it's called Um, but no English wasn't my favorite lesson. You recently published a new book so what inspired you to write a book? Yes um, yes I have written um, just written and releasing a new book so what inspired me was my, my journey, my own personal experience of bereavement and grief. Um, in September 2015, I lost my husband. Um, he died of cancer. So many, many years ago, I knew, even before meeting him, I knew that I was going to write books and I had, you know, penned down titles to write in the future. And so when I'm Tyro, my plan was to release a book, but I never planned to release this kind of book. Um, so yes, um, Tyrone and became ill really suddenly um, and from diagnosis to death for 16 weeks so along my journey and after he passed I decided that I wanted to release a book not not just about my journey as a young widow but also a book 
that will be able to support and empower and inspire other people in the community as well. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about Tyrone. How long did it take you to recover from his passing? That's a really interesting question. And you use the word recover. And I don't think when you lose someone like this and someone so close to you, especially, you know, your spouse, I don't think you ever recover um, from that, if I'm to use that term. It's been a very long journey of grief and bereavement. There's <laughs> this is so, such a complex thing. Grief is so complex. You never quite get over it. You grow around it. So there is a, a model of grief that I love to refer to, um, which states that rather than the grief decreasing in size, your capacity increases around that grief. So you get bigger, you get stronger as you transition through life. Um, so I, I've grown around it. Um, it's no longer the my main focus in my life and my day to day. And I'm able to speak about my journey and experiences as a young widow openly and with the world. So I'm definitely a different woman. I'm a stronger woman. I'm a more resilient woman. But in terms of my experience of being married to Tyra and my experience of grief will always, it will always be with me and it will always be part, a beautiful part of my story to come. So do you believe that experience has changed you profoundly? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really don't believe I mean, I may look the same. Actually, I think I look younger. It's really strange. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's, yeah, I really believe it's changed me. Um, I would definitely say in terms of my character, um, I've had to be very resolved, um, had to be very, become very resilient, even more resilient than who I was before. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned my triggers. I learned, I've learned my capacity, the weights that I can handle. I've, I've seen, I've been in the darkest of spaces and places, and I've also been at the best of places. So I've, I know myself very well now. I'm more emotionally intelligent, I'm more emotionally aware, I'm more sensitive, I'm more forgiven. And so those are just a a few things that have changed um, since being being bereaved um, of Tyrone. So your book, what's it called and how long did it take you to write it? Yes, so my memoir um, is called From Wedding Rings to Imperfect Dreams. I started writing in October 2016, so that was just roughly a year after Tyrone passed. I started writing for about six months. I left it for about a year and a half, and I picked it back up last year, June. So I would say it probably took me about one year to actually complete it from starting to kind of write the notes down to completing writing. So is it your personal story? Yes, it's my personal story. So I go all the way back I go all the way back to you know a young girl hoping and praying for her Prince Charming and I share in terms of my promise one of my first chapters is the promise that I was you know speaking to God and praying for God and to God for and then I go along I, I kind of there's a journey in terms of you know I met Tyrone we got engaged and we got married in August 2013 and then I go along the journey as you know just within you know a year and a bit Tyrone became unwell and within two years of marriage he passed um, so that's the middle part of the book and then I also share in terms of my experiences of of life um, you know I share themes of identity um, of grief bereavement friendship relationships um, and then I take the readers on a journey to I would say roughly where I am maybe about a year ago so it follows a journey from before I met Tyrone as a you know a teenage girl all the way to 
being a widow. Well, as your book's a memoir, yeah. it would be unique for you as it's your story because one of, one of the questions I was going to ask is what makes your book different from other books that are similar? Yeah. With a memoir, every memoir is unique. Definitely, definitely. Um, it is a memoir. So yes, I, you know, we call it a book, but it's a memoir. Um, it's about my it's about my journey. I know there's many I know there's many widows, unfortunately, many many widowers in the world. And um, but what's really interesting, Nigel, is that even in my journey, um, being a a UK widow, being a London widow, being a black widow, being an African widow, being a young widow, there weren't many like me around. So I found the journey really really isolating, and um, so I really wrote this book to empower and to inspire other people, not just other widows um, in my community or even external to my community, but I really wrote this book to really um, reach those people that have experienced any type of grief and any type of bereavement. Um, what makes my book distinctive compared to you know, someone else's is that I shared my journey from way before I met Tyrone, so it's just about the grief and the bereavement and the loss, but I've included a letter to a widow. I've written a love letter to other widows. I've also included call to action. So this is a call to action to um, friends and family and loved ones of a widow. I've written um, a call to action for community community groups and charities. I've written a call, a call to action for faith groups and churches. I've even written a call to action for um, those people that are, would at some point in the future engage with the widow in a romantic sense. So, you know, potential future partners. And these are just a list of advice from my own personal experience of how to better and fully empower a widow if they ever cross paths with her. And as well as those points, what makes my memoir really stand out is that Tyrone was a poet and a spoken word artist. And I've actually intrinsically included parts of his work that was never published. Um, I've increased, I've included it in my actual memoir. So people won't just be reading my story from my perspective. They get to actually read Tyrone's beautiful words. Um, even, even though he's no longer here, um, his legacy, legacy still lives on through the words on my pages. Um, and I think I don't, I don't think I've ever, ever come across something like that before, and I think that's what makes my memoir really distinctive. So what inspired you to include a variety of calls to action? Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey. Like I mentioned um, a few minutes ago, um, I think Tyrone was young. Tyrone was 28 when he passed. Um, we were part of a community, but the loss of Tyrone impacted people around us in so many different ways. And for me, there were certain expectations that I had and would wish to be there and they weren't and over the years I've understood that it isn't because they didn't want to be there a lot of people didn't know how to be there a lot a lot of people felt that it would have been easier if they didn't say anything than say the wrong thing a lot of people saw me or saw the journey and just didn't know how to reach out so I wanted to include a call to action to really equip people who are loved ones to those that are bereaved because it's not just about my journey as a widow this these tools can be used to equip anyone and i really just wanted to equip different people um, with different tools for how they can engage with someone like me or someone who has experienced bereavement and for me in terms of my own journey um those groups of people were really integral in my journey i mean i'm you know i go to church um, i'm a leader in my church so i really wanted to put in a call to action for churches and faith groups because i know that bereavement isn't a it's a topic that's that's always touched on 
not just in church but in the community it's you know you hear bereavement and death and it's just a lot of people want to shy away from the topic it's an uncomfortable topic so to say um so i wanted to include that and for me another powerful call to action was for those people that may interact with the widow in a romantic way because it's very complicated <laughs> navigating a new a new love um, or a new relationship after the loss of a spouse and I wanted to really equip those people so that they are able to relate and to engage with her um, in the most loving and wholesome and holistic way. So that's the reason why I included those different call to actions to different people in the community. You mentioned that you attend church. Do you feel that your faith helped you during your bereavement process? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, and I won't, you know, use the church talk. Um, but in terms of even just, even in the, I know I share my story. And one part that I always share with everyone when I do get the chance to share is that you, even in the hospital room, but those people that are listening to this and could remember, literally Tyrone was there and I said, I don't understand why this has happened. Um, it doesn't make sense why this happened. It looks like God didn't answer our, our prayers. It looks like God was unfaithful. But I believe and declare that God is faithful. And I really believe that my faith really became an, a key anchor to me. The times when I was exhausted, the times when I didn't want to leave my house, the times when I felt like depression was coming on me, um, I was able to dig deep um, into my faith as an anchor. I was able to remember the promises of God and that, you know, all things will work out for my good. And so without my faith, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. And I wouldn't be the strong and resilient woman that I am today. I wouldn't be able to serve other people and to be an advocate for those that have experienced loss or bereavement. I wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm only here because of my faith in God. I understand your book has been published by Conscious Dreams Publishing. How did you connect with that company? Yes, it has. It has. It's been a wonderful company to work with. I think many years ago, I well, not many years ago, a couple of years ago, I came across I, com I came across Conscious Dreams Publishing. I think on Facebook. And although I had started to pen down my memoir, it wasn't ready to be you know to be submitted. But from a few people that um, had had worked with that put their name to one side as a potential publishing house that I would eventually work with. So when I was ready last year and I felt that I was at a good stage to actually start to think about submission and I got in contact with Danny and yeah that's how we we commence our journey oh so when you say Danny that's a Danny Bletchner yes it is Danny Bletchner um yes um I connected with her and yeah she guided me she gave me really good feedback you know when I you know, had a consultation with her over the phone and she had the opportunity to hear um the vision and my heart um behind the memoir um, her feedback was so empowering especially said you know in your own time when you're ready submit it um, and we'll take it from there and yes it's been a great journey who are your favorite authors yes i have i have a few i mean i read a wide range of books um but um favorite authors i have um, a lady called francine and she writes um biblical stories but from a modern day perspective um i think the portrayal of people's stories in modern day it's just so beautiful for example she speaks about you know mary the mother of jesus but she speaks about she also shares how how mary could have been feeling at that time mary's processing and emotions and how you know real fears about what was to come um and the beauty of the journey so i really love her 
Um, it also, there's a, a, a man called Dr. Emerson. Um, he's written a book that's really popular called Love and Respect. Um, any books that will really empower me, not just in terms of uh, the woman I am today, but just empower me for my future, I do read. So that book's been a favourite of mine. Um, a book that I recently read by... Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, Boundary. I've learned the importance of boundaries, especially as a young widow. And a fourth book that's been a favourite is a book called Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge. And um, I would say, just top of my head, those are a good four books um, that I really love and appreciate. Well, you sound like a very avid reader. What advice would you give to someone who wants to become an author? Um, that's a very big question. I would say if you have a desire or an idea, I would say just pen it down, whatever it is, at whatever stage it is, even if you feel like your idea doesn't make complete sense, just write it down or even record. I'm really good with like recording voice notes. Um, so I would say definitely record your ideas. Whenever it comes to you in the middle of the night, first thing in the morning, just write it all down. And then I would say just, secondly, I would say, once you feel that you want to start writing, pick up your laptop, pick up your you know, your notebook and just start writing. Whatever comes to you, don't worry about structure, just write and write and write. And I really believe that the more you kind of write without forcing it, just going with the flow and just being at peace about it, the more will come to you. I would say don't put pressure on yourself because I did at times put pressure on myself to complete it in a certain amount of time. I also just be really compassionate towards yourself. Just take your time, but also be intentional as well. Great time in your day, great time in your week to actually just focus on writing. And I would say as well, um, you know, full feedback, there's so many I can share right now, but I would say celebrate. Every time I, you know, wrote a bit or finished a chapter, I would actually celebrate. I would go out, buy myself a coffee and cake, go to the cinema, buy myself a gift. I really celebrated my small perceived small achievements um, and that kept me going. So I would say those will be my four top tips for for writing so are you writing at the moment are you working on a, on another book <laughs> no i'm not i do not i actually have a, another book that i have in mind and that i have in terms of i have a title something that um i'm going to write but right now my focus is just getting this book out into the world within the next week it comes out on the 11th of, of may um, and once that's done, I will start writing again because I understand that the longer I leave it, the more I'm likely to kind of just put it off. So yes, and the second book will come in the near future. So besides reading and writing, what other activities do you get involved with? Yes, um, I'm an adventurous. Um, I'm very, I'm very adventurous. Um, I love travel. So you know, before this lockdown, I had a holiday, solo holiday um, to Nice that was booked. Um, I love travelling. Um, I actually have a life, what someone would call a bucket list. I have a life list. And this is what I wrote after Tyrone Pass to keep me going. And so I tick off my list. So it includes, you know, travelling. Um, I really love music. So I love the saxophone. I love classical and jazz music. Um, I love going to the theatres, the arts, theatre. I love opera. I'm a foodie. I love food. And I love being in nature. So one of my favourite activities that I do um, I love kayaking, so I love being on the water with nature and I love kayaking. Every country that I visit, I always try to get on the water and go kayaking. Um, so yeah, anything to do with outdoors, adventure, travel, just freedom um, and authenticity, um, I love. So Maria, how can people contact you? 
Yes, I mean, I am on, um, the best way to contact me will be on Instagram. Um, my Instagram page is Maria, Maria O. Mitchell. Another way for people to contact me is via my email is mariaomitchell.com. Um, I have the book, so people can definitely contact me or connect with me via um, the book, which is From Wedding Rings to Empathic Dreams, and it's currently available on Amazon. But yes, I would say social media would be the best platforms to connect with me, and I would definitely love to hear from people, especially those people that would eventually read the book, and just to hear their views and their thoughts around, around what I shared. Thank you, Maria, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Nigel. Take care now. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.